Today's Bible reading comes from Luke 15, verses 11 to 32 from the NIV. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son, who was in the field, when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you, have give, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are concluding our series on grace today by looking at this amazing passage of Scripture. We're going to talk about extravagant grace today. Extravagant grace. And um, this passage that you've just heard being read is a well-known passage. And it's been titled in most of your Bibles as the prodigal son the prodigal son. And most people who hear the story think that it's a story about one son that goes and squanders his father's inheritance and then returns home to, uh, to, to be forgiven by the father. And, uh, and the father forgives him. And, and it's a story about the grace that's shown to this, to this wayward prodigal. But that's completely wrong. That's completely wrong. That's not what the story is about. And so today I want to I tell you that this story is actually a story about about two groups of people, two types of people. And Jesus is speaking to two massive groups, and it's a story about two brothers. That's why I've got two seats over here to represent the two brothers. Right at the beginning of the chapter, in, in verse 1, Jesus says this 
Uh, um, the, the, it says that Jesus was speaking to these two groups. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The tax collectors and the sinners. But the Pharisees and the teachers uh, of the law muttered, this man welcomes and eats with them. So on the one hand, there's this, this one group of tax collectors, which are bad people, supposed to be bad people, and sinners. And then on, on the other side, there's another group of, of Pharisees and teachers of the law. And um, these really bad people coming straight from the clubs, these really bad people, they're bad, they're doing all sorts of bad things, tax collectors and sinners, they are coming to Jesus, and they're they, they putting their faith in Jesus, they're believing in Jesus, they're repenting, and, and, the, and the really, really good religious people, they're they going, man, this guy is welcoming tax collectors and sinners, he can't be holy, he can't be from God. And so then Jesus tells them this amazing parable, this, this amazing story. But it's, he's speaking to these two groups, and the story is about two brothers. So the first scene is about the younger brother. And the first scene opens up with this younger brother saying to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. The, 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 this younger brother is ready to live his best life. He wants his share of the estate, and he's going to get this inheritance, and he's going to use the money to go and buy I don't know what, a camel with subwoofers and spinners on and like a neon light underneath the camel. He's ready to live his best life. He's going to live la vida loca, baby. He's going to go to like, I don't know, Jerusalem, the party district, and he's going to buy falafels and mojitos, and it's going to be amazing. And he's going to party, and it's going to be wonderful. He is going to, he's, going, he's longing for independence from the father. He wants to leave the family and he wants, to, and he wants independence. The, the younger brother wants a life where he can live life his own way, where he can do his own thing, where he can be free from the constraints of the family and the father. His anthem in life is Frank Sinatra, I'll do it my way. That's what he wants. He wants to live his own life and he wants to do it his own way. My rules, my life, independent from the father. And uh, today still, they are older brother types who want to live lives independent of God. This stuff is irrelevant. This stuff is boring. Christianity, what's the point? I'm going to live my own way, my own rules, my own life. But the, the unfortunate thing for the father is that this comes at a great cost to the father. The father has to uh, get rid of part of his estate because th that's how you would split an estate, right? If you've got an estate, you've got a big property, how do you give part of it away? Well, you sell off part of the land that you own. And, and land is significant in an agrarian society. Land is so important because firstly, your income comes from the land because you're farming on the land. But more importantly, land is part of your identity, it's part of who you are. The clan was given land. And then families within the clans were given particular parts of land. And so this father embarrassingly has to sell part of his identity, part of who he is. He has to give away so that he can give the proceeds to the son who wants to leave. And the father does exactly that. He divided his property between them. And that word for property in the Greek is actually the word bios. It's, it's not the actual, it's a different word from the word that's often used for life. It's the word bios, which, 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 um, which speaks to the, to the concept of life. He's dividing his life. He's tearing apart his whole life in this act of, of having to be dishonored and sell part of his identity, part of all of that. So the son, the son 
the younger brother, takes his inheritance and he leaves. And he goes because he wants independence and he leaves with his inheritance. And he lives his best life and the party starts and the mojitas are flowing and the music is pumping. But then not too long, he sells everything and, uh, and, and he's run out of money. And he ends up having to work for somebody in a terrible job, um, which in a Jewish context was horrible. He works with pigs. And the text says he longs to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate, which is just horrible. He, the, the, the consequences of, of the fleeting pleasure of sin is just way too much. There's a way that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. And he hits rock bottom as he comes to this place where he wants to eat pig food. And it's in this place of hitting rock bottom that he comes to his senses. The Bible says that he has a, an epiphany. He comes to himself. He realizes, man, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I, I'm, I'm made for more than this. I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to be in this, in this mess. I'm being treated like a slave over here. And he starts to speak to himself. Sometimes you need to stop listening to everybody else's voices. There's a whole lot of voices around and you need to speak to yourself and say, listen, is this the right place for me? Am I in the right place? In the, am, I, am, I, am I made for this? Am I made to, to be treated this way? Am I made to be treated like a slave, having to eat food that the pigs eat? And he starts to speak to himself and he says, listen, I'm not made for this. I'll, I'll go back home. Sometimes you need to speak to yourself and go, listen, I will bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Don't forget all of his benefits. It's exactly what the son does. He starts to speak to himself. And he says, I know there are a whole lot of voices around. Maybe I've been listening to friends. Maybe I've been listening to all sorts of other voices. Today I've come to my senses and I'm going to go back home. And he decides I'm going to go back home. But he decides he's going to go back home in order to try and fix things up. It's amazing how we so often just naturally revert to trying to fix things up. Something is broken. We broke it, perhaps. And we, we think we can fix everything. He thinks he can fix up the relationship between him and his father. And he's going he's gonna to work for his father. And he's going to pay his father back. But, but, but he can't. He can't do that. And what we're going to find is that he doesn't have to do that. And so he tries to uh, come up with a plan uh, of um, how he's going to pay his father back for, for everything that he owes his father. And so often, like... like for me, it was, it was this. Uh, when, when, I, when I became a Christian, I thought to myself, man, I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna have to like, be super good now as a Christian. I'm going to have to work hard to impress God. But you know, uh, St. Paul, he writes in, he, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, he's speaking about his resume as a, as, a, as, a, as a religious leader before he became a Christian. He was a Pharisee. And he talks about his, his resume, all the good things that he does, that, that he's done in his past. And he calls it garbage. He says, those things are like garbage to me. Now, in English, it doesn't come through as strongly, but that word garbage is actually the word for a steaming hot pile of poo on the ground. That's, what it actually, that's the word that they use. So it's like your, your good deeds, his good deeds are like, you know, it's, it's garbage. Be careful where you walk. You're going to step in some good deeds. That's, that's the idea. The idea is that you can't fix everything. And the one thing that you cannot fix for certain is winning God's approval back after dishonoring him in the way that this younger brother has. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His father saw him. And I love this idea of the father seeing him while he's a long way off. 
because he's come with a plan. He's going to fix things. And he's got a speech prepared, the I'm sorry speech. Have you ever prepared an I'm sorry speech over here? I, I remember my best I'm sorry speech. I was 15 years old. I borrowed my dad's car uh, illegally and uh, took it for a joyride, picked up my friends. I didn't know the car had got a, had an immobilizer on it, so it switched off halfway. My friends didn't say a word. They just jumped out of the car. Like they, it was like the specter of my dad's presence was right there. They didn't say anything. I, I kid you not. They just jumped out, left me. The car switched off, and I had to push the car home. And as I'm pushing the car home, I'm preparing my I'm sorry speech. Dad, I'm sorry. I accidentally did something to the car. This guy's prepared a I'm sorry speech. His he's, he's speech that is going to fix everything up. And his and I'm sorry speech is, listen, let me, let me work for you. I, I'll pay you back. I'll work really hard. And, and, I, and I'll make amends for everything that I've done. But when he gets, um, when he gets to, to close to the village, the father saw him from a long way off. I love that the father saw him from a long way off. Because when you're being in a pigsty, people generally don't tend to see you. When you don't have the fancy car, you don't have the money, you don't, you know, people don't, you're kind of socially invisible. But the father sees the person that feels socially invisible. The father sees him from a long way off. So, so the next time you feel invisible, before you post something on social media to get the next like or the next video that's going to give you that boost of endorphins, listen, the Father sees you. The Father sees you. It's amazing what we will do to be seen, to, to, to have a sense of being respected, to have a sense of being acknowledged, the lengths that we will go to. Perhaps even right now you find yourself doing something that's not consistent with who you really are, but you're doing it just to be acknowledged, just to be seen, just to be respected. The Father sees you. The Father sees him from a long way off. I love that the Father sees you. And I love that the Father doesn't see the way people see. Hallelujah. People look at the outward. The Lord looks to the heart. That's what God said to um, Samuel when he was choosing David. The Lord looks beyond the, the smears from the pigsty. The Lord looks beyond the, the circumstances that rub itself off on you. The Lord says, listen, you're not just your circumstances. You're not just these mistakes. No, no, no. The Father really sees who you are. He sees every part of, of who you are. And the Father sees him from a long way off. You're seen today. You're seen today. And the reason that the Father sees him from a long way off, I think, is interesting because the father is not at home tapping his foot going, this better be good. When this guy comes home, he's going to get it from me, right? That's probably what I would do. I'm, he's not going to get away with this, right? He's going to, he can't dishonor me like that in front of everyone. I sold the land. This kid is going to, this better be good. No, 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 no. He's not in the house doing that. The father's not in the field working, just ignoring life is going on. No, 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 the father sees him from a long way off because I think the father comes out every day waiting for the son to come home. The father sees him from a long way off because the father stands at the edge of the village waiting for the son to return home. The love of the father, the compassion of the father is so evident in the story already because the father is just longing for the son to return. And eventually the son does and the father sees him from a long way off because the father has been waiting on him, waiting for him to return, waiting for you to come home. You are seen because you've been searched for, because you've been waited on. And then the son comes with his I'm sorry speech. 
and uh, he launches into his I'm sorry speech that's going to fix everything that he's been rehearsing all the way home. And verse 18 says, I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he launches into it and he says, the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father interrupts the speech and cuts him off. And the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put his ring, put, uh, put a ring on his finger. I think that's the signet ring with the family heirloom. This is, the, this is a symbol that you're back, you're part of the family again. Um, put sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. The father has, he's not even been home a couple of seconds He's not, he's not had to wait. He's not had to beg. He's not had to do anything. He's been, he's been welcomed. He's come home full of stains and tattered clothes. And the father's buried him in hugs and kisses. And the father immediately throws a party. There's, there's, no, there's no judgment. There's no, you need, to, you need to work your way back into my good books and earn my love once again. No, no. Immediately, there's the party as the son who was lost, the son who was wayward, the son who was living his best life, is forming part of the family again. He's back home. And it's all by sheer grace. It's not by works that you are saved. It is by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I love that. It's a gift of God, not by works so that none of us can boast. Younger brothers and sisters, you don't have to atone for yourself. You, you, you might have come here today, you wanted to lift your hands during worship, but you felt, oh man, not with the kind of week I've had. Uh, maybe, maybe if I've had a better week, I could, I could worship Him and I could just you know, be like everybody else and just come boldly. You don't have to atone for your sins. There is one who has made atonement in your place for your sins. His name is Jesus Christ and He died in your place so that your sin would be put on Him and His righteousness would be clothed around you. You too have got clothing around you like this younger brother. Clothes of righteousness, robes of righteousness that have been put around you. He was crucified to bring you and I back. Sonship was conferred on this guy. He didn't work his way back. It was put on him with hugs and kisses and a warm embrace. In the same way, you don't work your way into God's good books. You don't, you don't, you don't obey your way into his love. And so you cannot disobey your way out of it. Hallelujah. That's wonderful news. And so the son is made, uh, is, is reinstated without jumping through any hoops, God's puts his love on him. It's through the obedience, the, through the obedience of the one man that the many are made righteous. Not your obedience through the one man, Jesus Christ, that you are made righteous. And so uh, the scene ends and the son is back. And everyone think that's, thinks that's where the story ends. That's, that's it. That's, that's, the, that's the full story. But that's not the full story because there is another brother, an older brother. There's two groups of people that Jesus is speaking to. It's the, it's the sinner's and the tax collectors, and it's the older brothers, the Pharisees, those who have been at it for a long time, those who have been walking with God for a long time, the religious leaders of the day. So scene two opens up with the older brother. And the older brother is the one who actually, I think, the story is for. You know, when I became a Christian, I felt like the younger brother. And it was like, 
amazing, God's love, God's grace, I got it. And then it wasn't very long before I started to fall into being a bit duty-bound. And the grace that was once so radical and so amazing just became a little bit commonplace, I suppose. And it reminded me about um, my son when he was much younger, he used to watch Winnie the Pooh. Um, anybody have kids, you, you, wanna, you want to introduce him to Winnie the Pooh? Because my son, when he was a kid, he loved this movie. And was, there's only one Winnie the Pooh movie out there. There's lots of short stories and series, but there's only one movie. And he would watch this movie literally every weekend. And every time he watched Winnie the Pooh, he would shout. He couldn't speak properly at the time. He'd shout, Pooh, Daddy! Pooh! And then, like, you know, the different characters would appear. Piglet! It's like every time would be the first time that he would see it. But it wasn't the first time. It was like the 50th time. And I would watch it. I'm like, oh, my word. It's really the poo again. Poo, daddy! He loses his mind every time the, the show goes on. And what, what, God, what God is wanting to say to older brothers and older sisters is that's what grace needs to be like. That whole thing about the younger brother, that's for you. That's for, that's for you. That's, it's not just grace. It's not just the, the ABCs, and then, you, and then you kind of matriculate onto something that's more mature. No, no, no. Grace is the X, Y, and Z also. It's not just how you start. It's how you continue to grow. It's what sustains you. That's what we've been talking about throughout the series. If you haven't caught it, you can go and watch it online. But that's what we've been talking about. Grace is the thing that sustains you. You reign in life through God's grace. It's only through His grace that you, are end up, that you will end up being led home. And so this, the scene opens up with this older brother, and the older brother comes home, and he realizes that there's a party happening, and he's angry. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went outside and pleaded for him again. That would, would be unheard of in this culture. The father goes outside, tries to, tries to, the father tries to reason with him. The father once again absorbs dishonor. And, uh, and, and the father is, is trying to say, hey, listen, the son was dead. The son is alive again. The son was lost. He's found again. We had to celebrate for him. But the, the older brother can't even, can't even call the father father. Did you notice that? He doesn't even call him father. He just says, look. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with friends. And, and, the, and the older brother can't even call his younger brother, brother. He says, the son of yours. What's happened? The older brother has also left. The older brother is no longer part of the family, just like the younger brother wasn't. And, and so this older brother stands outside, unable to call father a father, unable to refer to his brother as a brother, and he starts speaking and saying, listen, I've been working all this time. I, I don't deserve this kind of treatment. And what's at the heart of his concern? The fattened calf and the party. Why? Because everything that the father had had been divided, and everything now belongs to the older brother. So who's paying for the fattened calf? It's him. It's his fattened calf. Who's paying for the signet ring? Is his signet ring and the, the fancy Adidas sloughies that he got? Is his stuff? In the same way that the younger brother wanted independence and wanted the father's stuff more than the father, wanted the life, wanted the good life without really wanting the father, this, this older brother cares more for the stuff and less about the father. And so he stands outside and he, uh, he's angry. He's angry at the lost coming to Jesus, that's what the Pharisees are angry about. They, how dare those people come straight from the clubs and they come dirting the church with their 
club shoes. And, you know, how dare they? They, 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 they you know, they're sinful. They, they shouldn't be here. And, and he cares about the stuff. I'm like, like, I've been working so hard. How dare he give my stuff away like that? I, I did a wedding recently. And uh, it's Helen and Jacques, and you guys know Helen and Jacques. They're not here. They're on honeymoon at the moment. But um, uh, it, was, it was amazing. But, you know, I often do weddings, and when I do these weddings, um, sometimes I go to bachelor parties. Their bachelor parties, it was, it was tame, but sometimes they're not so tame. And uh, they, they get a bit out of hand, even the Christian ones. And, uh, and you know, and, and people, you know, they, it's, it gets a bit wild. It gets a bit wild, all right? And then the next day, there's the wedding. And at the wedding, everyone's got suits on. Everyone looks proper. The groomsmen are like, you would never imagine that's the same people. It's like the, the previous night, it was wild. It was like people, it was, it was crazy. And then when they get to church, everyone knows when to clap. And everyone knows when to stand up. Or everyone knows when to ululate. And everyone knows when to sit down. I've never done a wedding where people misbehave, where people don't know how to behave well. Every wedding I've done. It's like the, the worst, the most crazy bachelors, bachelor parties, they, they just know. It's called wedding etiquette. It's a real thing. Wedding etiquette. People just know. Grace has a way of helping you to just know how to act, how to behave. It's called grace etiquette. When you experience the love of the Father, wow, that you die in my place for my sins. It's ridiculous. I don't deserve that. You, 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 just, you just celebrate when people become Christians, even if they come straight from the clubs, it just happens. It's organic. When, when, when you experience grace, grace etiquette, it softens you. This, this, you don't tell an older brother to tithe to the church, to, to finance the mission. Because they're going to be like, I'm working so hard for God. And they feel like I, I'm giving way more to the Father than I'm getting from the Father. What the older brother needs is an experience of grace. What the older brother needs to be pointed to is the story. This is what the father has endured for you. The father's been dishonored. His life has been torn apart. Jesus went to the cross for you. That's what softens you. And this is exactly what this older brother needed. He needed another wave of grace. I don't know what it's been like for you. But for me, I've had moments where I've needed fresh waves of grace. And it's something that you need to experience. You can't... It's not an intellectual thing. It's not something that you can just be told. It's something that you need to experience. Paul says it like this. He says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Um, and again, the, the, the English hides what's happening. It's an agri agri um, agricultural word picture of a riverbank that's breaking. That's the term for abounded. Uh, the, the, the banks of the river have broken and, and there's like this increase in grace. It's like a river that floods over people. Where, where the, your sin increased, even, even when, you, when you found it's hard to give, it's hard to serve, it's hard to care about the lost, you need to experience this, this, this mighty torrential tsunami of God's grace wash over you. And, and this, this wave is like something that from the outset it looks small, but then the closer you get to it, it becomes bigger, and, and, and very soon when the tsunami is in front of you, it's like this mountain that's about to wash over you. That's what Paul is saying. He says you have to, it's something that you have to experience, this, this wave after wave of God's grace. My dad used to tease my mom. My mom would say, listen, just tell me you love me. And my dad would say to her, I've already told you, man. Why must I keep saying the same thing over and over again? And he would just tease her. But, but that's what we're like. We need a fresh wave. You, you need it. You need a fresh touch, a 
of God's grace, an experience, an encounter, even maybe right now as, as we're speaking about the grace of God. Maybe the Holy Spirit will touch you on the shoulder and say He loves you. He, lo- he sees you. He sees you. That word that was brought earlier on, He sees you and He loves you. He's for you. And there's nothing like His his love and His mercy that can wash away. And, and, and the disciples put it this way. They say, listen, when we encountered Jesus out of His fullness, we received grace upon grace. It was like fresh wave after fresh wave. We were kept being energized and excited by His, by his grace. So what I want to do now is I want to pray for us to experience this wave of grace. And I want the band come on up as I pray.